Hello, and welcome to the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast, a resilience podcast where we talk about all the challenging things that we're working to overcome, like anxiety, health, and relationship issues. My name is Sarah. Welcome to another episode of the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast. I'm happy to connect with you today. My name is Sarah. We are finding ourselves into November, starting to think a little bit about Christmas, if I'm being honest, and um, I'm heading on vacation, so I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, Christmas just feels like a lot to think about, but I definitely know I will get excited as the time comes. My fall has been super busy, so I'm really happy to get to take a little break and get away and enjoy some downtime and some sun uh, and hopefully be able to recharge as I head into that Christmas season. So this week on the podcast, we are going to talk about something really positive focused on ourselves. It's how to find our best selves. And we're having Tanya Cole Lesnick on the podcast. She is a psychotherapist and a coach. She has a master's degree in social work from NYU and says that group therapy changed her life. Her goal basically now is helping people to live lives that light them up. In this podcast, we get into so much. We talk about something called energetic clutter, which was something new for me, but made a whole lot of sense. Um, and, And we just get into really ways that we can focus on us, which let's face it, at this time of year, we're often thinking about others and how to get everything ready for everybody else. But the reality is we do need to look at the things that we can do in our lives to Uh, make ourselves better, to be our true selves, and to really focus on our energy. So hopefully you can find a little inspiration today in this episode on how to find our best selves with Tanya Cole Lesnick. Hi, Tanya. I'm so happy to connect with you today. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here and to see what unfolds. Wonderful. Why don't you start providing a little bit about your background? Sure. Um, I actually started my career out as a graphic designer. And during that time in my mid-20s, I was struggling to have a long-term love relationship. And I was really longing to be married and have kids one day. And I just wasn't sure what was in the way for me. And for a bit, I felt some stigma connected to the idea of therapy, so I didn't explore it. And I was pretty dismissive of my issues and didn't feel like maybe they were legitimate enough for me to seek out therapy for that kind of struggle that I was having. But as time went on and my longing intensified, And my confusion also stayed because it wasn't happening and I didn't understand what was going on for me. I decided to explore therapy, got some names, got connected to a wonderful therapist named Bonnie, and that immediately felt healing. So that experience was um, just so wonderful to be able to trust that I was on a path that was going to help me turn something around in my life that I was struggling with. So I felt really good about that part of it. And then she suggested I add group therapy to the mix. And so 
That felt a little terrifying, but I was building trust in her. She thought it would be helpful. And I was a little bit intrigued. Who are these people that I might be with in this kind of situation? So I decided to give it a go. And it was really in the combination of being with other people on their personal growth journeys and being able to process individually, separately, whatever came up with me and also in the group situation where I started to shift and change. I had gone into that situation really questioning whether or not I was even lovable. And it helped me realize that as humans, we have so many similar insecurities or as humans that grow up in families and in cultures, we have so many similar insecurities and Um, to be able to get to know these people in the group that I could see how wonderful and amazing they were, and yet they still struggled with some similar things, it helped me put a crack in my own story. And I met a man fairly early on, and he and I did get married, and we just celebrated our 30th wedding anniversary last September. Actually, we're heading towards our 31st wedding anniversary. We have two grown kids. So what I had gone to therapy for and then group happened fairly early on. And that was amazing. But the part that I hadn't anticipated was connecting to myself, um, really how to really go through a relationship with myself, checking in, seeing what I want, seeing what I need, learning that I even had needs and what that meant. All of that was so huge, that transformation, that it inspired me to go back to school. I became a licensed clinical social worker, and I have been doing that work now. Now I'm a personal development coach and doing that for almost 30 years. So that's the story. Oh, wow. That's great. Um, And that's interesting. Like I, so I've done sort of the one-on-one therapy, Mm -hmm. had some different instances with that, but I've never done group therapy. And I know, you know, you talked about it a little bit there. What were some of the things, I'm sure there are people out there that are like, oh, that's interesting, but kind of scary. Oh yeah. What were some of the things that you talked about or how did that really um, change the experience for you? I think it's just different. When you're in a therapy situation and you've hired somebody, they're there in a professional capacity. And not that they're just going to give you positive reactions because a good therapist isn't going to only do that. Um, but that you know that they're kind of on your team and that's a bit of a given. Whereas in the group situation, when I would get feedback from multiple sources, and they were from people that didn't have to give me, I mean, they were just there in the room. And it was sort of an act of generosity when people would give feedback or let you know what they were responding to about what you were sharing, just carried a different kind of weight. Um, So I know that that was so powerful for me to hear other people respond to just human things that I was sharing and that they weren't seeing me as strange or different. They could relate. And I think it's in the resonance that is so powerful. 
I run groups now and totally speaks to what you were talking about, about the fear piece, because I meet with a lot of clients individually and then feel like they could benefit from group and start the conversation about considering group. And I get for a while, a lot of resistance. I think there is a lot of fear. And then I've also had when people resist for a bit and then they get into the group situation, they're often I hear, oh, okay, now I get it. But one of the things I was going to say when I run a group is I really make a point to be very intentional about speaking about the resonance, because I think when things are resonating, we don't feel so alone and we can feel much more seen and heard when people are responding to those parts of ourselves that we're sharing. Yeah, that's really interesting. And and so do you group people together like intentionally or with like issues or like I'm thinking of, you know, when you think about AA and people with mm-hmm. addiction issues and they're, and they're kind of sharing together, like is that or is it fine to have people with totally different things going on together? I think there's probably value in both, but the mm-hmm. way that I do it is Right now, I mean, I do sometimes have um, mixed genders in a group, but often I do women only in a group. Um, It just can change the dynamic. Um, But other than that, beyond that, I really just pull from humans. And what we find is that there's so much overlap, regardless of what the issues are, that people may have very different issues, but they have similar feelings of shame or feeling like there are shoulds that they should be following, that they're struggling to follow. And so we always can find the overlap. And so I don't, I I just, besides putting Mm -hmm. mostly women together, I otherwise just being human is enough of a connection. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense for sure. Um, You just mentioned a little bit about using should. And I know many of us get really stuck on this and sort of this idea of being good and doing what we think we should and basically people pleasing in, in some sort. Can you maybe explain how and why our needs are more important than this kind of need to be good? Yeah. Yeah. And what I was going to say about that is really the limiting beliefs that so that we all really we all um, in the families that we grow up in and the cultures that we grow up, grow up in, there are all kinds of messages that we get along the way about what's safe and what isn't safe. And I don't necessarily mean safe in um the potential for us to be in danger. But I mean, in terms of where do we get negative feedback versus positive feedback? And when it's from our caregivers, it carries a lot of weight. It's really important. I mean, it's part of how we stay alive to have caregivers when we're young. So, um, and then just in cultures, what gets positive feedback, what gets negative feedback. So we all grow up with certain messages. And I definitely grew up feeling like if I wasn't agreeable and I wasn't nice to people, 
then I would be abandoned. People wouldn't want to work with me and people wouldn't want to be my friend. And so I definitely had people pleasing, for example, as a pattern that I had to get clear about and start to interrupt because what happens when we're not taking care of ourselves and we're doing like people pleasing behaviors or feeling like we have to hustle for our worth or feeling like we can't rest, we must be productive at all times. We get depleted, we get irritable, we get resentful, we're not feeling connected to our lives as well as we could be because we're not really living for ourselves. And so when we're not honoring our own hearts and what matters to us and our energy levels and all of that, then it can be a very sort of robotic existence where we're plugging along and doing the things, but we're not really feeling a lot of connection to them. Mm -hmm. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And I think it's, it's definitely a challenge for a lot of people. I agree. Um, myself included, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. the number of times I have those shoulds in my head and like, mm-hmm. oh, but you know, I don't want to disappoint people and things like that. It it can be really hard to, to stop and take stock. Um, one thing that I know you mentioned is a mantra that you use, nothing is wrong with you. And, and I had read that in your sheet. And I know many people find comfort in kind of hearing that, you know, we, we have all these things going on, but there's nothing wrong with us. Can you maybe Mm. expand on that and why that's so powerful? Yeah. I mean, I think that one in particular is one that I put out there as an offering because so many of my clients go into this questioning when they're struggling with anything and say, ah, what's the matter with me? And it's such an automatic question for so many people when they're struggling. And so I think to help people start with that at the baseline, there's nothing wrong with you. This human journey is complicated and a lot of stuff gets kicked up. And if we can name it that and know it's that and figure out what we need as we're moving through things that can come up, that can be uncomfortable, that can be a struggle, whatever it is, but not blame ourselves for being doing it wrong or or being flawed, but instead see it as part of the journey. I think it just can help us work with it, move forward, and be kinder to ourselves when we're not compassionate towards ourselves. And when we can be so harsh with ourselves, it's painful. And it's not very productive. Yes, that makes a lot of sense, right? We end up in that spiral and and wasting our energy there. So I I like that. Um, So as we're trying to figure out like what our true self is and where we should move, what does that alignment really look like? How do we start to get there? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it is a real process of knowing that it takes time. It takes ongoing inquiry, checking in as you, he- as you not even hear. I don't know why I said here, but as I said it, I'm thinking, yeah, but we do kind of listen to ourselves, what comes up and to make that more of a practice. So um, 
It could be something through tracking, say. So let's say you're living your life, you're realizing, oh, yeah, there are definitely some things that I'm doing that I don't think are really honoring my heart and starting to track them. So it could be the kind of thing where, oh my God, every afternoon I feel so irritable. What the hell is that about? And then starting to track yeah, I'm irritable again. What happened right before and start to understand our patterns is a beginning to starting to get to know ourselves. And that's kind of going in at a pain point. If you go in at pain points and start to track and then look for patterns and try to understand what it's connected to. And often those are where the limiting beliefs can show up when we have these pain point patterns and we realize, oh, I'm doing this thing. So that's part of it. But then there's also this other part of like, what's exciting to me? What's fun for me? When do I feel most alive? When do I feel most connected? And starting to pay attention to those things and to be intentional about it. Julia Cameron, who wrote The Artist's Way many, many, many years ago, um, one of the things that she talks about doing, and that book is really for to help people with creative, being creative people and to um, complete different kinds of creative projects. But I think they're good <laughs> suggestions for life in general. So one is taking yourself on an artist's date. So it's like taking yourself out somewhere where you could potentially be inspired. It could even be just going to a bookstore and seeing what grabs you. What are you gravitating towards? But starting to do these little trial and error bits and pieces where you can notice what's exciting for you, what's coming up in your heart when you're doing some of these things and what is feeling like, eh, you're not so interested in it and move on from it. Okay. I like that kind of just dabbling in there and starting to figure out what, what is you? I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we are trying to find our best self or we're not really sure, you know, where, mm-hmm. where we should even, or if we should start that, what do you find usually moves clients into making those changes when others maybe get stuck? Like what is that difference that can get us in in the right direction? Well, when clients usually come and I think motivation, when people are really feeling a sense of urgency about wanting to work on things, usually it is connected to some sort of pain point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think starting there makes a lot of sense and also when somebody's experiencing a lot of different things that are hard to manage, they could be somewhat in survival mode. So things are really difficult, they're struggling a bit, and they're trying to keep their head above water, starting to learn, oh man, what is taking away all of my energy? What is, what am I focusing on? What is, um, working for me right now, what isn't working for me right now, starting to get clear and to pay attention to that is so important. And I think if you can start to, for any of us, put some time and energy towards getting to know ourselves, it's going to help you move through making some decisions about where you're going to put your energy, what's working for you and what isn't, and what kind of changes you need to make, what 
patterns are in play that are not serving you? What patterns are in play that are? Um, so really being engaged in that process of getting to know yourself, knowing that so many of us don't, so many of us don't put that time in and don't really know the answers to if, if, you know, I know that people say often, follow your heart. I say it all the time, but people say often, follow your heart, live your truth, mm-hmm. all of that. But if you haven't done any of that journeying with yourself, that curiosity and paying attention, and I said tracking, but also journaling can be a really helpful part of that, um, then you're not going to be able to make some decisions that honor you because you're not going to know who you are underneath all the other stuff that might be taking up all your space. Okay. So that makes sense. Like you can use tools like journaling and tracking to kind of help, help yourself get there Mm -hmm. um, in terms of figuring it all out. And I, I mean, I totally have been through that where, I sort of think, okay, I need a change, but like, I'm not even sure what that Mm -hmm. is and who I am. Right. And, you know, everybody sort of hits that point in your life where you're, you're a little bit lost. You've been going Mm -hmm. through all of these motions and I can see um, it's challenging for sure. And you talked a little bit about energy levels and, and sort of how do we move to honoring our energy? I know that's something I really struggle with. I'll often Mm -hmm. do things when I don't even have the capacity, right? I think a lot of parents, especially, right? You're just, mm-hmm. you're used to kind of just giving, giving, right? Yep. And so what happens over long-term when we don't honor that energy? And and what are some of the challenges with that? Yeah. I mean, I think when we don't honor our energy, I, I know I used the word depleted earlier, but I do feel like it can be such a constant state sometimes. If it's something that you're not paying attention to and you're not paying attention to replenishing, you know, many of us have a lot of capacity, but at what cost? So Mm -hmm. going through doing it all. And and I know for sure, some people get some identity connected to being able to, how does she do it all that kind of thing can Mm -hmm. be compelling for a lot of people. And to, to give yourself permission. I think that's, that's a big one that I talk to people about, about slowing it down and resting and starting to notice where are you feeling depleted? Where are you catching yourself losing your temper? When are you irritable towards people? What are some of those um, times when you feel like, all right, I got all that done, but is that all there is where maybe you have a thought of this is not enjoyable. This is not how I want to be living my life and starting to tease out all the different layers. I started to come up with, um, or I came up with this term called energetic clutter Mm -hmm. because I think it helps to explain. And what I mean by that, by energetic clutter Those are all the things that we focus on that demand our attention and our energy and our time, but they don't help us move the needle towards growth or meaning or how we want to feel. And so starting to figure out, well, what is that then? So energetic clutter could be ruminating about a conversation that was had, for example, that you don't feel great about and you just you're not processing, you're just going around and around and around. You're not getting to anywhere new. You're just kind of repeating it. That could be an example of energetic clutter. And my guess, again, is that it's connected to probably some sort of limiting 
belief in there that the reason why it's bringing something up for you is because you've got an idea of um, some limiting belief that feels really important. Like it's not okay for people not to like you. And then that can trigger some real identity stuff. Um, but yeah, I think this idea of starting to tease out, what do I want to be focusing on? Now I'm using the word want, but sometimes there are difficult things. It's not that we don't have difficult things that we're focusing on, but it's the choice that we're making a choice to put our energy in certain places. And even if it uses a lot of energy, if we're choosing it, then that's fine. We know that we've chosen it. For example, going into a new chapter in my career, that was something that I've been working on for the past couple of years. That takes a certain amount of extra energy, but I'm also choosing it because it's connecting me to more meaning in my life. And so I've chosen it. It's different than this energetic clutter idea, which could be People-pleasing is an example of energetic clutter. Putting your energy towards something that's not honoring you, but it doesn't mean you're not generous with people. And learning how to make the distinction is so important. Yeah, that's really interesting. It's looking at it on more of a kind of mental lens. Like I, I often have been told, you know, you need to reduce the number of things you do. You need to try to like not volunteer to do so much and thing like, mm-hmm. like all of that extra, right. Because mm-hmm. um, it's, it's something that I always kind of am like, well, I can, ha- I could do that. Yeah, I could offer yeah, for this. Yeah. Right. And, mm-hmm. and then you end up so tapped out mm-hmm. um, in terms of your energy and your time and every, like, for me, it's just like, things just get so backed up and tight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Um, in terms of schedule. But I guess, yeah, this is almost looking at even that mental energy of, like you said, ruminating thoughts and Mm -hmm. trying to track that too, in terms of not like it's kind of wasting Mm -hmm. your, your energy. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. That's really interesting. And so you, so in terms of journaling tracking, that was something that was recommended to me was more the tracking side of things of Mm -hmm. like, you know, write down all that you're doing and then try to analyze it and see like, where is that give? And, mm-hmm. um, and I find that breakdown in between of like, kind of what is life giving and what is not, do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because like, I love to exercise, but then I'll get to a level of, Oh, it's almost like a little depleting when I've done like too many workouts in a day or a week, mm-hmm. or, um, you know, I love to learn, but then you can get where you're kind of like overcommitted. So it's, yeah. it's hard. It's really, yeah. Any advice on how to to tease that out? Is there a measure for like, is it how you feel after yes. you do it? Yes. yes. Okay. I think it's, I mean, it, it's, I'm glad that you said that because that is something that I've said to people as well is this idea of like, it doesn't mean that everything that you're considering is not worthy of your time or not things that you love, but mm-hmm. also you have to consider volume we all have a certain amount of energy. And so if you're not, it's like, if you think about clutter, even if there was a million different little beautiful items, if they were all stuffed together in one little spot, you're not going to be able to appreciate any of them. So it's the, the idea of 
paying attention to, okay, I want to choose all these things. What happens to my energy when I make that choice? How does that feel? And yes, I think checking in and seeing how you feel is a helpful measure, but it's not the only measure because, you know, for example, guesting on podcasts, I mentioned that that's something that, well, I mentioned that my career sort of is shifting over the past couple of years, including guesting on podcasts. Well, that's something that at the very beginning, because I've done it for a bit now, but at the very beginning, I was so nervous before I had to go. It was really uncomfortable. And Mm -hmm. I would say, oh, why did I decide to do this? And even now, I still get a little bit nervous. And I still have that moment where I'm like, ah, but then it's fine. So if I went only on how I felt, that might be something that I'd say, nah, I don't, I don't feel that comfortable always. Let me get out, you know? Mm. But I'm weighing it all out. I'm weighing, well, why do I want to do it? What's connecting to me, me to this process? Is it something that I want in my life? And so it's a bigger question and there are some decisions. But yes, ultimately to make decisions about what helps me feel grounded, what helps me feel balanced overall, when am I able to experience joy? When am I able to experience fun? What about being productive? When does it feel like a good amount? When do I feel driven by it to the point where I'm not enjoying myself anymore? And really looking at all these layers so that you can keep coming back to yourself again and again, but it's a work in progress. Even if you know sort of what works the best for you, each day presents different dynamics, different weight of things. And so it's kind of needing to be revisited regularly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really helpful. Because I think that's for me, like, I forget, yeah, your time is so precious. And so Mm -hmm. the volume thing is significant, for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. This is great. I mean, I think this really gives listeners some tangible things that they can start to work on, start to pull apart, um, and really focus in when they're trying to figure out, okay, where do I go? What am I doing with my time and my energy? Mm-hmm. Are there any other tools or advice or thoughts that you were hoping to raise before we wrap up? Well, I would say one of the things just in terms of the work that I do that I find to be the most powerful is I mentioned group retreats mm-hmm. are amazing because to me, they're like group on steroids. They're this <sighs> sort of contained period of time where this group of people get together. It depends on the retreats, but the ones that I do and the ones that I typically attend are ones that are designed to help people um, really be in their journeys, be on their journeys and checking in with themselves, but do it with other people. I think there's something so powerful, uh, like sharing your story, allowing yourself to be seen, being vulnerable with other people and being able to witness other people doing the same is, is life-changing. Now I've never done one, but that does sound really amazing. And so are yours mostly like therapy focused or are they are you doing tasks as well a little you mean that for the retreats yeah yeah Yeah. a little bit of both we um i do uh, a retreat with a retreat partner of mine and she and i 
really, we call it a deep reset. We help people kind of really look at what's in the way. A lot of what you and I have been talking about today, mm. teasing out a lot of the energetic clutter, limiting belief stuff, and and very deliberately doing some uh, dissolving. Like we literally dissolve the paper that we're writing some of this stuff down on and we're sharing it with each other and we kind of spend some time releasing and then building, well, what do you want and building that and we have a sound healing and we have a pajama party and (laughs) we have um we also make necklaces or bracelets with words so we kind of choose some words that are really helpful important reminders i love a mantra i think mantras are really helpful but Mm -hmm. i think they're especially helpful when they're in your own words because your own wording is what's going to resonate the most for you and so to to find some words to help you moving forward continue with some of the focus because it is so easy to get caught up in the day-to-day sort of so muchness of life, you know, there's Mm. just a lot going on at all times, especially if you have kids and it's very easy to lose yourself in that. And so to slow down and be deliberate and um, yeah, be intentional about that. It's going to help you grow into that direction. I love that. That sounds really great. Um, And I'm sure others will want to hear about it. Do you want to let us know how listeners can find out more about you either online or through social media? Yeah, the best way to find me is my website, um, which is my name, but I have an easier to remember handle as well, which is clear energetic clutter. So I usually say that one out loud just because that'll be more memorable if you're just listening to this when you're exercising or something. Um, But yeah, and if people connect to me on the website, there's information about the next retreat, which is coming fairly soon. So it might be too late for this podcast. I'm not sure when this goes out. That's in the beginning of October and it's in um, Cold Spring, New York. But we're going to keep doing them and I'm exploring doing some more travel retreats as well. So stay tuned. Oh, wow. That sounds great. Um, Wonderful. Well, Tanya, thank you so much for connecting today. I think, you know, you've got some great perspectives and hopefully, hopefully people have been able to give themselves a little bit of a break in terms of maybe some of the things that are going on and, and start that reset. Yeah, I hope so as well. And thank you so much. I really appreciate sort of just our conversation and connecting with you about this. And I know that or I hope that it resonates for other people as well. Thank you so much to Tanya Cole Lesnick for joining me today on the podcast. I really enjoyed talking to her about some of the ways that we can institute changes in our lives when we're feeling stuck. I mean, I feel like some of the things that come up, like journaling, like you just can't lose. We keep hearing over and over again um, methods like journaling to really help us to work through things. And um, I felt like that was a really key one today again. And, And that ongoing inquiry, listening to ourselves, going into what we're actually experiencing there, those seem to be really key steps when we're just feeling outside of ourselves. Uh, I really liked when she talked about energetic clutter as well. Um, you know, I've certainly had that, those feelings of like, at what cost are we doing things and, and start 
starting that reflection and realizing that it really is within ourselves to to start to figure out what is the best way forward. And definitely, I know we talked a little bit about retreats, and that's something I would love to do at some point in my life. And hopefully, I will get there uh, in, in the near future. If you want to find out about Tanya and connect with her further, she mentioned her website, clearenergeticclutter.com. She mentioned different retreats and ways to contact her um, as well. So you can definitely follow up with her and hopefully you enjoyed connecting on the podcast this week. And as always, if you have suggestions for future topics, please reach out to me at reallifeprojectco at gmail.com and let me know some of the things you're thinking you'd love to hear in the new year. Thanks a lot and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast. Please keep in mind, this podcast is not intended to be medical or professional advice. If you'd like to hear more from me, you can follow me on social media, Instagram and TikTok at Sarah Lady Gluten or Facebook, Sarah underscore Gluten Free Lady. You can also visit my website, which includes author information, speaking information, and more info on the podcast at www.se hyphen german.com. If you like the podcast, please feel free to review the podcast on your favorite platform and also subscribe because it means that it will show up for you every week on your favorite podcast platform. Also, we've just started to have the ability to support the podcast. You can find this link in my Instagram bio or visit Kofi ko fi dot com slash learning to slay the beasts. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.